0: In the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, the Lord tells us that there's going to be times that we'll read some of these truths within these scriptures and we'll observe events taking place and we'll simply not be able to comprehend God's will and His ways. We'll just not understand. Because His ways sometimes, or perhaps often, They're too high and they're too lofty for our small minds to fathom the mysteries of his hidden wisdom. We simply, though, at those times, will need to learn to accept the words that he's saying to us and the things that he does and live with them. Listen to those truths that the Lord gives us there in Isaiah chapter 55, beginning in verse 8. He tells us, For my thoughts... This is the Lord himself. He's saying, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Simple words. But though those words be true, always true, and though God's ways be very mysterious, it still seems from these scriptures that God is, not only encourages but exhorts us to know more of Him, that you and I should be thoroughly diligent as we can be to go as far as we can to get to know Him as best we can. Now, why are we considering that today? It's because here in this portion of the Lord's Prayer that we're going to consider today, there's a very mysterious request that the Lord Jesus instructs us to make to God the Father. There in verse 4, which we'll study at length in a few moments, he tells us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. May I go ahead and read this passage for us. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass that as he, the Lord Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now today as we focus our attention on just these few words of verse 4. For me and for many other students of God's word throughout the years since Jesus first spoke these words. The extent of our understanding has been perplexing requiring us to be very careful as we study those particular words. Because those particular words there in verse 4 are peculiar, very peculiar. They seem to suggest that God might lead us into temptation. And that seems contrary to all that we know and all that we hope about God. Again, those words, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, first consideration, these words remind me of some of the other peculiar words that the Lord Jesus had spoken in the past, and he called those words hard sayings. Hard sayings. Hard sayings were those like he spoke to his disciples one time when he told them that they would need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Very strange words, peculiar words. And when Jesus said those words to his disciples... Most of his disciples walked out on him, and they left him, leaving only the twelve. And even the faithful twelve said to him, Lord, we don't understand either. Jesus would say, well, why don't you leave also? They said back to him, Lord, who else are we to turn to? Only you have the words of life. Those are those words that are higher than our ability to think. But folks, the answer that those disciples gave that day is often the one that you and I are going to have to give because we're not going to understand a lot of the things that God does. When we can't quite comprehend the depth of the wisdom and the character of God, we'll sometimes have to just be obedient and to follow Him, trusting that at some point He'll begin to give us understanding of those peculiar things that He's doing. And I especially think that that is true with these words that we're studying here today. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, on the surface, these words seem so contrary to what we want to believe about God. We want to think that God would never lead us into a circumstance where we would be tempted. We forget that scripture that says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. We instead think that no, God would never lead us into a circumstance where we would be tempted. And our minds immediately go to scripture verses that prove that out. Verses such as James chapter 1 where we're told, Let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. And listen, nor does he himself ever tempt anyone. Some Bible teachers have gone so far as to say that those words there in James chapter 1, they contradict those words there in the Lord's Prayer. But listen, folks, there is never, never a contradiction within God's words. These words here in James chapter 1 and these words in the Lord's Prayer, they both stand on their own as truth. So then, what are we to do with those truths that, don't always seem to agree. For myself, and I believe for each of us, many of the mysteries of God are just that. They are mysteries. And mysteries will not always remain mysteries. The answers to many of the mysteries of God, they'll be revealed to us over time. And they're, that's being done most of the times when you go to a church service and hear the gospel presented. As we diligently draw closer to God in our faith and in our trust, He'll reveal more and more of the answers to those mysteries. He'll open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, so that we can understand His hidden secret wisdom. He tells us about that secret wisdom in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These are words I've read for us on other occasions, but I love these words. There in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read... We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak a wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. And then listen to these words. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Folks, this is the simple truth about God's words and His mysteries. Our part is to diligently study these scriptures. And as we do, His Holy Spirit will then minister to our spirit Revealing to us the deep and the hidden secrets that are given within his words. Secrets that we never knew before. But because now we start to mature in him, he tells us more. We'll begin to see things and to hear things and understand things that we had never known before. That happens with me on a regular basis and I hope that it happens with you. But that's especially true, I believe, with these words that we're studying here today. Listen, throughout these scriptures, God carefully reveals to us that all of the things in existence are at his beck and call and his use. He can use anything in existence to serve the purposes of his righteousness. Whether those things be good or evil, however they may appear to us, he can use any of them. For the purposes of his righteousness. And it does not make God evil to use some or all of those things for his purposes. We have an amazing God. He's not hindered nor is he bound or limited. All things, all creatures, all people are his instruments. Whether it be a Nebuchadnezzar to lead the children of Israel into captivity... Or it be the devil himself who would take Job through so many of his trials. While at times God's actions, his behaviors may seem strange to us, even painful. Psalm 119 verse 68 assures us that there is one truth that always stands firm. And that is that God is good and he always does good. And that makes him worthy Of our complete trust. Now may I say again. God is able to use all things. Whether they be good or evil. To serve the purposes of his righteousness. And that's been so even from the very first moments of human life. You recall there in the book of Genesis in chapter 2. We suddenly discover in the Garden of Eden that along with that very good and righteous tree of life, that there is also this potentially evil tree of knowledge of good and evil standing right there alongside it, openly and fully accessible right in the center of the garden. That dangerous, sin-bearing tree was not guardedly hidden back at the back of the garden so that Adam and Eve might not accidentally stumble over it. But it was right there in the midst of the garden, right in the middle of the garden where they would pass by it every day. And as we begin to realize those subtle truths, that we begin to better understand this very special character of God, His will and His plan for us. Folks, listen, above all else, God is a God of choices. God is a God of choices. And He has created you and me Mankind in his image with that same ability to choose. Now while all the rest of God's creation is limited. We, mankind, we are filled with both the ability and this continual compulsion to choose. Now I confess to you that I've often wished that that were not so. That God would take away my own ability to make choices. Why? It's because too often... Too often, I make very wrong choices. So why then? Why then, with such potential for us to err with our choices, does God give us that ability? Why is the making of choices so important to God? Now, while I'd like to say that I know the exact answer to that mystery right now, I confess that I don't. At some point, I might. But right now, I still don't. But I do know. I do know that this need to make choices has first to do with his holiness, with God's own holiness. He is holy. And his holiness demands that every soul be given the ability to choose, to have the choice of choosing him and his ways or rejecting him and his ways. That's spoken very clearly in Deuteronomy 30 where the Lord tells us I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Therefore, choose life. And no, I don't know how God differentiates between his choosing of us and our choosing of him. But he does. And at the heart of his choices and all the choices that are being made is his perfect holiness. And because we, mankind, men and women, are created in his same image, his holiness requires that he give us that freedom to make the choices that we make. And we must make them. And also, within the choices that we're required to make is his first and greatest commandment. And that commandment is for us to love him. For us to make an intentional, willful choice to love Him. To go beyond ourself. Even to deny ourselves, and to love Him. And the elemental nature of love is this need for intentional choices to be made by us. He doesn't force us to love Him. He does command us to love Him. But He doesn't force us to love Him. He simply requires it of us to make An intentional choice on our part to love Him. With all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Now let me say that again. Choices are a basic elemental part of love. And love is who God is. Love is His very essence and at the heart of all that He does. And us having been made in His image and for His purposes, love must also be our guiding influence and necessity and yes granted there are forms of love that can exist outside of choice but not the kind of love that god desires for you and me to have choice is a specific act of a person's will and as we're told in these scriptures and especially in john fourteen twenty one, it's god's desire that you and i make an intentional choice to love him and to obey him let me say that again It is God's desire that you and I make an intentional choice to love him and to obey him. There in John 14, 21, he explains it to us. And listen to these words carefully. He says, he or she, he who has my commandments and keeps them, that's obedience. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Our love is evidenced by our obedience to these commands to love him. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and make myself known to him. Intertwined there is this obedience to God and love. And each one of those validate the other. It is God's desire that you and I make an intentional choice to love him and to obey him. And then also to follow that up with choosing to love other people and to show forth fruits and acts of love that do prove out our love. So then, beginning there in the Garden of Eden, all mankind, you and me, were faced with choices. There in the Garden was the first of many, many times that truths such as these here in the Lord's Prayer would influence men's life. Adam and Eve were the first. They're in the peace and the serenity of that garden. They were probably not aware for the first long while that they even had an ability to choose. They really had no reason, no need to choose. But once Satan, the evil one, the deceiver, the tempter, was allowed to gain access to them, he cleverly pointed out, That although they had been told not to eat of that special tree of knowledge of good and evil, that they did, in fact, have a choice. He convinced them that they had a choice. And if they made that choice, then they themselves could be just like God. In their ignorance, they probably never stopped to realize that their choice, the choice that they would make to eat of that tree, was actually a personal rejection of God himself. A personal rejection of his love for them. And neither did they probably understand that the choices they made that day was also a personal rejection of the love that they were supposed to have back towards God. And looking back at the terrible results of the choices that they made that day, we want again to cry out to God, Why? Why do you allow us the opportunity to be tempted To make such awful choices. Choices that almost always seem to turn out wrong. And again the answer is as dangerous and as eternally consequential as it is. The ability to make choices is absolutely essential to the expression of real love and obedience. That's spoken about there in John 14, 21. And it's the best way that we can truly show love and obedience to God and love towards other people it's through the choices the intentional choices that we make now one might argue oh the choices that get left in our hands whether we are just ignorant and unknowing innocent or for some other reason that's almost as dangerous as placing a loaded gun next to a small child and it really is at least it is sometimes with adam and eve that first Simple choice served to remove all traces of real love from their souls. And it substituted within their souls selfish gain, the desire for selfish gain. And that's what we see in ourselves these days and all around us, the desire for selfish gain. And that's such a tragedy. Temptation towards evil seems to be present with us at every turn. Folks, every time that a person, one person chooses to do adverse things towards someone else, we seem to succumb to that. Every time that a person chooses to commit adultery against their spouse, every time that a person chooses to lie to another person, to hurt them in some way, to rob them, to steal from them, love, real love is the first thing that is forfeited. Cast aside. The love towards God and love towards those people. And in its place is this selfish gain. And often the argument is the same that Adam and Eve gave. And that is that the influences that other people have. Adam blaming Eve. Or the beguiling temptations of Satan. That's the excuse that Eve used. That... That's all too great for us to bear, to resist. And folks, unfortunately, for so many of us, in our weakness, that's often true. But listen, this is the real truth. In reality, we don't have to succumb to another person's temptations. We have the ability to resist the temptations that come to us. But listen, it is if and only when we first have gone back and reversed that first wrong choice that was made, the one by Adam and Eve, where they chose to reject God as their Lord. If we turn, if you and I will turn and make the choice to have God back into our lives as our Savior and as our Lord, then we'll have all the power that we need to resist the temptations that confront us each day. As God's Holy Spirit lives within you and me, folks, He is ever. And always faithful to warn us away from the temptations that are spoken about here in the Lord's Prayer. In First Corinthians ten thirteen, these blessed familiar words, he tells us that no temptation, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you or me to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He'll never let a sin come to you without first warning you away from it and giving you a way of escape. What a blessed truth that is. Now again, it's very essential that we comprehend this special truth that God's revealing to us here in these words of the Lord's Prayer and also in First Corinthians. From the very first moment that you and I received the Lord Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, we became one of God's beloved children. We became one of His beloved children. And as His beloved children, He is growing us up in the discipline of knowing and loving Him. And that special discipline requires training. It requires training in the ways of righteousness. And that training seems best accomplished Through our encountering and then resisting all those many temptations that our world, the flesh, and the devil throw at us each day. And folks, as we read the book of Ephesians, we're told there that this world is filled with darkness. It is dark and it is dangerous. Filled with every evil being of the hosts of that dark world. And temptations from that world, the flesh and the devil, they are at every turn. And then in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and I would recommend you read this. God there explains to us that as his beloved children, it will be through discipline and through chastisement that you and I will be trained up in the ways of righteousness and be able to withstand the dark and difficult ways and temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. He goes so far there in Hebrews, chapter 12, as to saying that If he doesn't discipline you and me in this way, that we're not legitimate children of his. So we say, thank you, Lord, for this discipline that you bring our way in whatever form it comes. And God reveals to us so very clearly as his own Holy Spirit led the Lord Jesus there in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil that this is the way that he is going to also train us up. Now, while as the son of God, Jesus didn't need discipline. He didn't need training in the ways of righteousness. But he was also a son of man. And as a son of man, God demonstrated to us that every son of man would need to endure temptations and to be able then to respond and make right and righteous choices. To choose life instead of the ways of death. Thanks be to God. Because you and I are his beloved adopted sons. As we venture through all the dangers and the temptations of this dark world each day. By the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit abiding within us. He'll guide us and he'll protect us. We'll be able to make those same right choices that the Lord Jesus made when he was tempted. Now, before we close, let me say this again to us. That no, with our small minds, we might never know how or why God the Father uses some of the instruments that he uses in order to make us holy. In this example, temptation. But he can, and he does. He really is able to use any instrument of his choosing. And it does not make him wrong for doing it. God loves us. And as a father who loves his children must always do, he'll take us through whatever circumstance of life that he finds necessary to train us up in the ways of righteousness. Thanks be to God for that. And again, yes, as with temptation, some of those ways and those methods that he uses will be very difficult for us, very difficult. But please know and always remember that God dearly loves us. And that he himself will never tempt us. He himself will never tempt us. And that on beyond that, he'll always be available to help us through whatever struggle we're going through, whatever temptation we're going through. Let me close with these words. These are given to us in John chapter 16. They are encouragement to us during our times of temptation and struggle. He tells us there, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, thank you. Thank you for being a faithful father to us. Even though your training, your discipline may be difficult for us, it is always good. And you are always good. And we thank you for it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.